0: Revelation chapter 20. Let's go there. Revelation chapter 20. Thank you, Pastor Alex and team. None others ever known. Didn't want you to be disappointed. (laughs) Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 20, reading from the uh, New International Version. I would like to say that I don't like the New International Version, the newer versions of the New International Version. 1984 versions, decent, it's good. They change things. They begin to change genders and stuff. And, but uh, I, I like the NIV for this particular. Mostly we read the New King James, King James. And oh, uh, you just if you have a New World Translation, you want to burn that one. But Other than that, there's a lot of good translations out there. And, um, but that not being a good one. Revelation chapter 20. Come on, smile. The mortuary's down the street. Can we better start smiling now? I'm preaching on hell. Lock the doors. Ready? Here we go. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the, amen, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They were tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. What was open? And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Father, thank you for what you did in the first service. I pray, release a grace upon all of us this morning, this afternoon now, upon me as I preach, Lord. I pray that you'd give us living understanding, that you would illuminate our hearts, you would expand our capacity To love you, you would expand our capacity to understand revelatory truth that's here in the book of Revelation to affect our lives, bring revelation that causes a revolution that's worked out in our day-to-day life, in our families, in our community. God, even in our nation, come and do what you want to do, do what you love to do, do all that you will do. God, today we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled the, the message "Your Name." is in the book. Your name is in the, in the book. I uh, grew up on the eastern end of Long Island, New York. Some of you know where that is, on the eastern seaboard there. And and uh, grew up really in the ocean as I was a kid and learned to surf. And our favorite times is when we had hurricane swell coming through. Uh, my mom didn't really know it, but we would sneak down and surf the pre-hurricane swell, and we would go down and surf the post-hurricane swell, because that's when you would get the biggest the biggest waves. And we didn't have wetsuits back in that day, but we did have Irish cable-knit sweaters. And so we would wear wool sweaters in the ocean. Bad idea. Say a bad idea to wear a cable-knit sweater in the ocean when the water is very cold. And uh, that was my first drowning experience as I... Got pounded under a wave and my wool sweater got ripped around my head. And uh, I almost drowned, but then my sweater came off. I lost my sweater. Mom, if you were wearing where that went, it went to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> and so I learned, I learned at that time, you know, you do, you got to respect the sea. Respect the ocean. You, you don't ever turn your back on the ocean. And, and uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. I lived in Hawaii after that for about 14 years. And there's a beach called Big Beach in Maui. You can go on YouTube and look up you know, surf break at Big Beach Maui, and you can see these waves are so powerful. And the way that they come in, it's like you could be just playing on the sand, and it could come up and hit you in the head when you weren't looking and just wreck your whole world. There have been people that have died there, many, many broken collarbones, and and some of you know what I'm talking about, the ocean waves like that. Now, when we go from time to time, rarely, when I go to the beach now, uh, I warn people if I'm at that beach. Sometimes I'll bring folks from the church there if we're there for a conference. That's where our church was planted from. And would we'll take them down there to see the power of the waves, but we warn them, look, don't don't turn your back. Ever. Don't ever turn your back. And invariably over the years we've seen people come from distant, far away nations and countries, and they don't know anything about the Pacific Ocean. They don't know anything about the Hawaiian Islands, and they don't know that there's no continental shelf. They, they don't know that the waves move much faster there, and they can go from one foot to five foot in 30 seconds, and so we have seen many people with their backs turned to the ocean get absolutely creamed, and so as I've sat on the beach before, I've run down to folks, and I remember uh, uh, a German family specifically, and I Remember, their, the, the guy's bathing suit needed to be altered, or maybe it was altered too much, I'm not sure. But anyway, he <laughs> ran down, and, and some of you might get that on the way home. So I ran down and, and told him, um, bro, listen, watch the ocean, because you and your wife are going to get hurt. No, 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 you know, and he just didn't listen. And he turned his back, and, and I just watched him almost, break, you know, I didn't break anything, but he came limping and bleeding off the beach as it hit him in the head first. And, and his suit, anyway, it was bad. Come on, it was bad and defiling, ugly, terrible, it was horrible. If you knew somebody was gonna get hurt, do you, wouldn't you do something about it? If you knew that somebody was headed for destruction, wouldn't you stop them and say, hey, wait a minute, slow down? Wouldn't you put your seatbelt, do something, careful? If there was a fire, I'm in your notes now, if there was a fire in your neighbor's, your neighbor's house or trailer, or wouldn't you, wouldn't you do something? Wouldn't you call 911? How many of you would call 911? great all five of you how many of you not going to raise your hand no matter what i say today all right yeah you know you would you'd call nine you'd get on the phone you'd call there's a fire in my next door neighbor and you'd probably be doing that while you're in a dead sprint to get to the neighbor's house to see if you could get in to make sure that there's nobody else in there did they get the babies out are they home hey hey i mean you would scream and shout wouldn't you wouldn't you i mean what what kind of a person would let somebody just burn what motivates us as believers, as Christians, what motivates us to reach out to people? Why, why on earth did we do a pumpkin patch event? Over 2,500 people came, 100 plus people served in it, and we could have used more. We, 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 it took us thousands of dollars to do it. We, we brought in about 1,800 pounds of candy. We labored and worked. We did this thing called a glow show. We spent money to rent the facility. And thousands of people came so that we could tell them about the love of God. Now why would we do that? Why would we labor and pray and plant churches like we do? Why would we raise up leaders and, and, and do small groups and, and, and have church as much as we have church? Why, why would we do that? It's because we understand Revelation that's found in this text is one of the main reasons. And let's look at this text, please, if you will. The Apostle John receives a panoramic revelation of what's going to happen in the future. He talks about the coming of the Lord. And by the way, I don't know why that's not preached on more in churches now, but across America, very rarely, will you hear about the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very rarely, but I'm going to tell you, he's coming back and he's coming for a spotless bride. He talks about that. He talks about the millennial reign. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. You're, te- you're being taught to rule and reign. This is a test. You're, you're in like an internship. About 70, 80 years for me. I'm going for 120. I don't know what you're believing for. I'm believing for 120 fruitful years in the earth. And then then you're going to graduate. Some, some When you die, you graduate. And you, you're the millennial reign. And you're going to rule and reign with Christ judge angels and all kinds of stuff. But then he talks about What's going to happen here? What we read, this justice will be done. Everybody say, justice will be done. Justice. justice in the end is going to be served. Now, if you've ever been wronged, welcome to the human race. The good news is that justice will be served on your accusers, on those who did you wrong, the wrongdoer. Justice will be served. That's good news for those who had wrong done to them and that they didn't get their vindication. Maybe not such good news if you got away with what you thought you got away with because you actually didn't get away with anything because there's going to be justice for everybody. And that's kind of an amazing thing. Evil will be dealt with. Satan's throne in the lake of fire. Antichrist and the false prophet. It's really he tries to copy copy the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He tries. Satan tries to be the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Son is, is the Antichrist. And the false prophet, Holy Spirit. He tries to mimic all of that, and that's being set up now. And so they're all thrown in the lake of fire. But here's a shocking thing is that all mankind will be judged. And what most believers don't understand is though you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're still going to have to give an account. I'm going to have to give an account for every word that I've ever spoken, and so will you. For all of our deeds, or the lack thereof, and all of the motivations, everything will be laid bare before the one whom we must give an account. Every word, every word you've ever uttered. Wow. And there'll be no manipulating on that day. You won't be able to fool anybody. I wouldn't be able to fool anyone. No, we can't fool anyone on that day. And the reason is, he said, why would God go through all the trouble of doing that? Well, the reason is because God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. No one will be able to shake your fist and say, I didn't deserve it. No, all of us will will see the ugliness of breaking God's law and, and justice. We'll be served, will be seen for who we are and for who we are. And you know, when you think of justice, I don't know if, you, if, you, if you're like me, you think of justice, you think in terms of maybe punishment. But the truth is, it's a place of rewards too. Heaven is a place of reward. The judgment seat is not just a place where you have to stand to give an account. You say, What about the blood of Jesus? I'm gonna get there, don't get ahead of me. You give an account and you get rewarded. I mean, God's reward is not so that you can run around with this big three-tiered trophy and go, look at me, I'm all that, and a bag of chips, I serve the hot. It's just the Lord's way of blessing you. And some have said that it, the reward is being closer to the, to the throne. But we know that there's rewards, and we know that some suffer loss. Yeah. So No one will be able to stand and say that God is not just on that day, even for the way that you suffered and for where you turned the other cheek and the things that you did, you get rewarded for it. The book of life, then the book of life is open. Now, this is amazing. Your name is written in the book of life. Your name is written in the book of life. The thing is, you, you, you've got you've to take certain actions to keep it there. And, and the main one being receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your name is in it before the beginnings of the foundations of the world. You know, we've had evangelists that have come. I mean, even here, well-meaning. And I think, I've done it myself. But the truth is, when you receive Jesus, your name doesn't get written in the book. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, when you receive Christ, you repented, you believe that the Lord died, you believe He rose again from the grave. Oh God, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. And then it's like an angel comes and writes your name. Not true. Because your name's already in it. The only thing is, in the end, if you didn't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your name's deleted. Modern version. Blotted out as it says, Amen. come on, somebody say, oh Lord. oh Lord! All right, this text we see two glaring truths, two glaring truths the lake of fire. Look at your neighbor and say, Oh, I'm so glad I came to church. Come on, tell him, so glad, isn't this great? He's talking, Pastor's preaching about hell today. Thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Listen, why would you preach about hell, Pastor Daniel? Well, one reason is, I was like, You okay, mom? You just worshiping God over there? Thank oh, thank you, God. Come on, everybody, say, Hallelujah thought I was going to get rebuked. I'm going over here. Thank you, Jesus. Why would you preach about hell? Because if you don't have a revelation, if, if you don't know about hell, you don't have a revelation of hell, then you'll not have a salvation that's really whole. If you don't know what he saved you from, then you're not going to really know what salvation is. You have got to have, a, I'm going to try to put as much sugar and cinnamon up on the top of this thing as I possibly can. I'll try to throw some jokes in, but it is definitely a hellfire message. Come on, smile at me. Somebody, so I was inviting somebody to church. I think it was at the gym and uh, I was inviting them and I don't tell them, oh, I'm the pastor. I don't do that until they ask me, like, what do you do? I go, like, oh, I'm the pastor. But I'm inviting them and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, church. I haven't been in a long time. I don't know. That church you go to, is that, a, is, that a, is, that a, is that like one of those hellfire churches? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're, they, they're, they're, they're like, what? You don't seem like kind of a hellfire guy. Oh, no, I'm a hellfire guy. Because it's in Scripture. I'm a Scripture guy. Anybody else? So two glaring truths. Lake of fire, this place of continual, ongoing torment. And I love how the Scripture says forever and ever. It doesn't just say forever. It's for, forever and ever. And he said, well, why do you believe in hell? Well, it's in the Word. So I've done enough study to know that the Word of God is the Word of God, and it is my ultimate authority. And if, if you are... Um, uh, willing, and you put your heart and your mind to study God's word, to show that it's God's word, then then you'll be obligated then and responsible to live by it. I mean, it's easy to, oh, God didn't write that. God didn't write the word. A man wrote that. Yeah, that's because you don't want to obey it or you've just been parroting something that somebody else told you. Now, I believe there's a hell because Jesus said it, because the word says it. But, but I also see like the, the, the residue of, it's not even residue. I mean, we're made in God's image and likeness. You see, the very fact that you think in terms of justice, the very fact that you think in terms of justice is evidence that you're made in God's image. You say, how's that? I've got a Jack Russell Terrier. My Jack Russell Terrier is completely selfish. And the dog, the, dog is, uh, the, the dog doesn't think in terms of justice. It thinks in terms of kibble, water, snacks, food, mice, shrews, right? It, it thinks in terms of going to the bathroom. You know what my Jack Russell Terrier did? He's a highly intelligent dog. I, I, it speaks English mostly. My Jack Russell Terry wanted to go to the bathroom. My wife told me, the dog needs to go out, the dog needs to go out. I don't know what Daniel was doing, my son, my daughter's in college. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, she goes, the dog really needs to go out. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so finally, I finished doing what I was doing. I go to take the dog out. and the dog is sitting by the front door with my shoes and a big dump right in the middle of my shoe. (laughs) Now, don't tell me that dog doesn't know what's up. The dog knows straight what's going on. And I looked at the dog, and the dog's like, But dogs don't think in terms of beauty. Dogs don't think in terms of justice. Well, maybe in that case it did. I don't know. It could have been guided by an angel to rebuke me for not listening to my wife. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. We think in terms of beauty as in evidence by the selfies that you took this week. You looked in the mirror, most of you this morning. You looked in the mirror. Why? To fix your hair or see if you have any new growth going on, or whatever, you looked in the mirror, right? There's a book, and I encourage the people in the first the congregation, the first service to read it. It's called Mere Christianity, written by C.S. Lewis. It's a rather deep read. I would say it's mandatory reading for everyone in this place. And you said, well, I have a hard time reading. That's okay, just do what I do. I just read, read it, and then like, I got a few things out of that. Let me read it again. And I, sometimes I have to read things three times. Oh, because it's kind of deep. And it teaches you to critically think. We've lost critical thinking. People just swallow stuff. They swallow, the, they swallow hook, line, sinker, waiters, boat, trailer, truck. They swallow everything. And, and, and say things like, well, you know, as long as you believe. In fact, this is an illustration from the book. As long as you believe. You can believe what you want to believe. I believe what I want to believe. And, and that's good. How many of you heard that before? You can believe what you want to believe. We don't believe that. Let me tell you how you don't believe that. And this is the illustration he gives. We don't believe it's okay for you to believe whatever you want to believe. You know why? Because if you believe something that's going to hurt me, I don't think that's good. Why is that? Because that's the way that we're made. So if I believe that I can boil a cauldron of scalding oil and go and pour it over somebody because that's part of my belief system, do you think they would think that's... Oh, yeah, I believe you can do that. I'm all right with that. No, you're not all right with that. Why? Because you'd you'd get scolded. You'd, You'd get burned. You see, people don't believe as long. You believe whatever you want. No, we don't believe that. You see, we're made in God's image. And this whole, this whole our, our whole just, justice system, the fact that we have courts, the fact that there's judges, the fact that every culture in the world, every culture, what about the undiscovered ones? Even them, all of them. Every culture, every nation, every tribe, ancient or modern, they all have laws. And they all have rules for breaking the law. Where did that come from? It came from heaven. It's God's idea. To break God's law, if you're moving on in your notes, to break God's law is death. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Ezekiel 18 in verse 20, the soul that sinneth, I like the King James right there, the soul that sinneth shall, shall die. So to break God's law is death, and that's why the lake of fire is called the second death. There is a place called hell. Right. See, I don't like that. I know. I don't like it either. But it's in there. It's in the book. It's true. Yeah. Right, and, it, and it's a motivator. It's not what motivated me to salvation. It was the love of God that motivated me to salvation. But when I began to get discipled and began to grow up in the Lord, I I began to see that there really is a place called hell. It wasn't invented, Guy. Why, the guy on the street corner with the sandwich sign is screaming his brains out, Turn or burn! That's pretty good, huh? It wasn't invented by him. Scare tactics. It's the love of God that brings us to repentance. But please please don't ever forget that there really is a place called eternal punishment, and it's not for you. I said it's not for you. You know what's cool? Your names were, were written, past tense, were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name's already in it. Until the day that you die, if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it is then, on that day that you die, that your name is blotted out. You say, really? Yeah, I know. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Jesus talked about hellfire. Oh, I, I like this one quote. Preacher said, if you're not born twice, you die twice. My brother, when he first got saved, they didn't even call themselves Christians. They, they called them born again Christians. You don't really hear that anymore. Am I right? Am I the only one that doesn't really hear that too many more, Too much? I had somebody tell me, uh, uh, I'm a born again I don't know what's a born again. I think it was my brother. He said it so fast, I didn't know what that meant. I thought that's some cult, some Christian cult. I knew he had a Bible and he underlined everything. I'm a born again Christian. What's a born again? Born again. That's what he was saying. Born again. John chapter three. Nicodemus talking to Jesus says, "Can a man be born again? Going to enter his mother's womb a second time?" And Jesus said, "No, no, no." You don't know what you're talking about. You've got to be born of the Spirit, being born again. If you can't remember being born again, you might not have. You've got to be born again. Everybody say born again. We don't hear that too often, but you must be born again. You must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you're going to split hell wide open. That is when your name is blotted out. And let me say this. Can Satan repent? And the answer is no. He can't. Why not? He can't repent because decisions made in eternity are forever. Right. So that's why you have you can go back and forth and serve God, not serve God. You can you can go back and forth like that or serve God with your hair on fire or not serve God. But the moment that you die, that's it. Whatever decision that you find yourself in is locked. That's it. When it's when your time, when time, time as we know it is end. When your heart beats its last, you breathe your last, whatever decision your heart is in, and only the Lord really knows. But whatever decision that is, that's it. That's sealed. It's over. Why can't Satan repent? Because he made his decision in eternity. That's it. And a third of innumerable. Wow. Jesus talked about the lake of fire, hell. Matthew twenty-two. And I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his sister or brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, "You fool," be danger of hell. Fire, Matthew 5, 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into. This is Jesus. Come on, if you have one of those red letter editions, it's in red. Verse 30 of Matthew chapter five. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. He's not saying that if, if your right hand caused you to stumble, literally cut it off because if that's the case, we'd all be walking around maimed. No, he's saying it's better for you to, it's better for you to cut something out of your life than to be thrown into hell fire. Jesus preached on it. It's not preached in most churches because we're offended, afraid of offending people. And you know, when you're afraid of offending people, you might hold back from telling them the truth. But when you really realize that there's a place called hellfire, it'll push you beyond your own opinion of what somebody thinks about you to tell them the truth. I thank God that people weren't afraid of telling me the truth. I thank God somebody tells me when when I've got something, some lettuce in my teeth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear. Aren't you glad, ladies, when somebody tells you, you got lipstick on you all up on your teeth? Aren't you glad when somebody tells you that there's something wrong? Your fly's down. I mean, I, 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 I've seen people, this very dignified lady, and, and so dignified, I, I should have helped her, but I was, in, I was embarrassed for her so bad. But we were in an airport, she was dressed to the nines, and just obviously dignified person, and she just comes out, you know, with her Chanel bag and her Chanel clothes and all of that, and she comes out of the bathroom, just walking so dignified, so beautiful, and trailing behind her was a big roll of toilet paper. I'm just like, Lord, help her. Somebody, somebody tell her. Or, or, you know, your, your dress is stuffed. In the, you guys know what I'm talking I don't wear dresses, but I heard about this. It's bad. Aren't you glad? This is part of the sugar to help you with the hell message. Aren't you glad when somebody tells you that you're jacked up? Jesus speaking about hell. Matthew 10, 28. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. He's talking about God. Our biggest problem in the church is that people don't have the fear of the Lord. If you had the fear of the Lord, you wouldn't have done what you did last night. If you had the fear of the Lord, you wouldn't have acted the way you acted last week. Come on, the fear of the Lord has been lost in most churches across America. They say they believe in God, but there's no fear of the Lord. Where's the fear? The angels fear to tread Come on, fools go where angels fear to tread. There's places that you shouldn't go. Don't make me go get my sandwich board. Matthew 18, verse 8. And there's another hell scripture for you. Same one, gouge your eye out. Again, better to be maimed. It's not saying you should maim yourself. Matthew twenty three fifteen. 15, woe to you teachers of the law. Listen, oh, you think I preach hard. Listen to Pastor Jesus here. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. Right. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you've succeeded, you make them twice the son of hell as you are. That's not exactly seeker-friendly right there. You're a son of hell. Wow. You snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? This is Jesus. Come on, just lift our hands and just worship the Lord. Come on, hallelujah. 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 Aleluia Hallelujah. Come on, sing with all your heart. You're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Your name's written in the Lamb, Book of Life. Hallelujah. It's not going to be blotted out. Hallelujah. Because you're going to continually serve the Lord. Hallelujah. You're going to tell your neighbors about it. Hallelujah. Because you don't want to stand before the judgment seat. Hallelujah. With their blood on your hands. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for Jesus. I'm almost done. Come on, somebody say, Praise God. Luke 16 23, in Hades, where he was tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham afar away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip. His finger in the water to cool my tongue because I'm in agony and fire. This is Jesus. Matthew 13. Son of Man will send out his angels. Verse 41, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They'll be thrown. He will throw them into the burning furnace. Whoa, burning furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. John 15, verse 6. If you do not remain in me, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that will be thrown away and withered. Some branches will be picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. The book of life. Your name's already in it. But if you reject Jesus, your name will be blotted out. The book of life, the theme the book of life runs through the scriptures, Exodus 32. Moses, Moses talking to the Lord and interceding. He says, I pray, blot my out of the book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses in verse 33 of Exodus 32, whoever has sinned against me, I will not blot him out of my book. This is Exodus. Wow. Psalm 69, 28, and they they will be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Philippians, Paul, writing the church of Philippi, verse four, chapter four, verse three, B. And the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. The book of life is mentioned throughout the book of Revelation, Revelation 3 and 5. And the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life life. But I will acknowledge that my name, I will acknowledge that name before my Father and His angels. Revelation 13, 8. So you're getting the idea that there's a book, a book of life, and you're getting the idea that there's a place called hell. And if your name's in the book, you get to avoid the second death. Hallelujah. Come on, my name's in the book. Somebody say, my name's in the book. book. Come on, say it again. My name's in the book. All inhabitants of the earth. This is Revelation 13, 8. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who is slain from the beginnings of the foundations of the world. Revelation 17, 8. Again. Revelation 21, 7. Book of life. Again. One's name, write in your notes now, one's name can be blotted out of the book of life. And that is very concerning. Now this is going to Tip over the apple cart for all of you that are aligned more in a Calvinist mindset. What do you mean by that? I had a very good friend who's now graduated onto heaven. His name is Kit Kit Lauer, Pastor Kit Lauer. Pastor Kit Lauer was aligned more in a Calvinistic view. And we discussed this over and over. Turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Okay, this is going to bother some of you. But, but don't get mad at me. If you pastor your own church, you can preach and teach what you want to. This is mine. I'm sticking to this. Yes. This is what I believe. Yes. And when it's all done, when it's all done, we'll know for sure. Yes. But this is what I see in Scripture, and I like what it does for my walk. Yes. So Pastor Kit Lauer, we discussed this once saved, always saved. Yes. So in other words, if you receive Jesus, can you lose your salvation? And his argument to me was, come on, come on, Daniel. And he was older than me, wiser than me, but we didn't agree. He said, "Come on, Daniel. What's the sin that causes you to lose your salvation? When you lusted after that girl that was riding by on the bike, when you when you when you, what was was that the sin that?" And I said, "I don't think it's gray and black and white like that. I think there's a turning. Now look at Hebrews." See, because I don't want, I'm not going to get my name blotted out. And you don't want to either. But if you just think you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and do whatever you blessed want to, you are so sadly mistaken. And I, I don't want you to be so sad that when you get there, you find yourself blotted out. When you thought that you could just receive Jesus and cry a little bit and then go fornicate and go live a life of sin and expect yourself to enter into the pearly gates, you're mistaken. Come on, smile at me. I'm trying to smile with as much love as I got for you. I'm just so glad for the truth. That you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you can't claim the, the name of Jesus, repent for your sin and continue in it. That's not real repentance. Come on, that's right. amen. Thanks, John. Oh, amen. Re- uh, Revelation. Hebrews. Wonderful. Ready? Hebrews 3. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Watch this now. And turns away from the living God. Turns away from. To turn away from means to deny. So depart from, another version says. Depart from. Come on, if you departed from your house, you're no longer there. Right. Right? Right? If you depart and you turn from the Lord, guess what happens? But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And sin will harden your heart. And so I don't think it's black and white. I think it's more gradual. The more you begin to yield to your flesh, the more you begin to yield to sin, the harder your heart begins to get. And before you know it, you don't quite care like you used to. You aren't quite going to church like you used to. Maybe you're getting a couple services here and there. Oh, but sin's deceitfulness. is just working on you, just twisting in you. It's hardening your heart. You used to, you used to repent over certain things or even blush. Now you don't blush anymore. And you're like, oh, well, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, deceitfully wicked above all else. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. It's impossible, verse 4, for those who've once been enlightened, who've tasted of the heavenly gifts, who've shared in the Holy Ghost, and tasted of the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. Whoa. Hebrews 10, verse 26. Watch this. Come on, everybody turn. I'm almost done. You all right? Yeah. Hebrews 10, verse 26. Spoonful of sugar makes the... Okay, Hebrews ten twenty six. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Wow, you're like, Pastor, nobody told my name could be blotted out. Well, now you know. You're welcome. I'm motivated by the truth. I'm motivated by the great right throne of judgment. I'm motivated by the fact that I'm going to stand there and have to give an account. Actually, the word of God says I have to go, I'm I'm call to a higher standard for those of you that teach the word. Just would make me want to resign when I think about that. And then at the same thought, he called me. And he who called me is faithful. And I'm just doing the best I can, oh God you can be blotted out. So I would highly advise you to stop your shenanigans. I strongly encourage you to begin to live right in a way that's worthy of the of the high calling of God, forgetting that which lies behind, but press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I would encourage you today to, to, to let the Lord illuminate your heart and turn from the things that don't satisfy. Why, why if Isaiah 55, Ho, oh, all who are thirsty come to the waters. There's a place of satisfaction that your sin can never bring you. Sin can never satisfy you in the deepest places. Only God can. Only Jesus at his right hand there's pleasures forevermore and all sin is is a wrong attempt at getting a real need met you need acceptance, you need security you need significance and until you really know who you are and who God is and you'll you'll be subject to a life of, of backsliding and turning back to your old sin, going back to your crutches and the things that once comforted you but you might not realize that your name can be blotted out you know you don't know your heart I, I had one person say, well, well, I'll just turn to him later on. You have no control over what's going to turn your heart. I mean, the devil's a bad devil and God is really good. And, and sometimes with the human heart, you know, you think you could be at a certain place, but then you could be harder and the, and the enemy can release flaming arrows of demonic pressure. And you, and you can open the door to, to wickedness. And, and that can come in. And before you know it, you can be so angry and so, so disillusioned that you're not even serving Him or even believing on Him. Wow. And it all started with that sin. Yeah. say, so what do I do? You just live a life of repentance. Yeah. And you ask Him to help you. Yeah. Hebrews ten twenty six. My gosh, only fearful expectation of judgment. How about Colossians 1 and 22? But now he has reconciled to you by Christ's physical body through, the death, through death to present you holy in his sight without, blame, without blemish and free from accusation. If. What? If. It's an if-then clause. Right. It's covenant language. If. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from him. It's, it's, a, it's a promise that God gave Solomon over Israel that we can claim for our own nation and is one of the main intercessory scriptures that we stand on now, that God's people would turn. It's not even the world. If my people, if his people would turn to him, and cry out, repent of their wickedness, then he'll come and heal our land. It's a promise. This is if we continue in your faith established firm. Are you all there? Colossians 1 and 23. You all there? If you don't have a Bible, come on, look it up with me. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. There's a hope held out. Gospel means good news. There's good news for us that we don't have to go to a devil's hell. We can go to a heaven, but we must believe on the Lord Jesus, and we must continue why would it say that if there wasn't a, 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 an emphasis on continued relationship? Hallelujah. Listen, salvation's a relationship. Yeah, right. So if you prayed a sinner's prayer in 1978, praise God, 1985, hallelujah, 1995, praise the Lord. How about last week? Great. Continue in your faith yeah. so that your name is not blotted out. I love how it's already in there though. It's like a prophetic thing from the Lord. It's like, this is my plan for you. You're all going to make it to heaven. I've got a plan. You're, it's all good. You just got to follow through, receive my son, Jesus. I'm believing you. My, your name's already there. Second Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, 18, 17, pardon me. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you'll not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. I believe in internal security. Except you have your, your part in it. All right, God is speaking to us. God is speaking to us today. Very simply. Understand why Jesus came. Jesus came to pay the price for you and me. That's why he came. He died on a cross and rose again from the grave for you. You're the object of his affection. You're the, you're the apple of his eye. He came. He wanted the family so bad. Oh, he wanted the family so bad. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe on him would not, would not what? Would not what? There it is again. What do you think perishing is talking about? It's talking about damnation. It's talking about hell. John three thirty six. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Whoa. You've got to be certain that our names are written stay written in the Lamb's book of life. You've got to be certain that your name doesn't get blotted out. I'll tell you, one of the most difficult things as a pastor. I've seen so many people come to Christ. I have no idea where they are. I remember years ago, we had just gotten here, and I remember right over here young man came in as an atheist. He was an atheist, a practicing, studying atheist. I think he liked the girl that he was with, and she was doing some missionary dating, which is a bad idea. And i just let that sink in for a second. I came in, sat down. The Lord gave me a word for him. The second I saw him, I prophesied over him. He says to me, there's no way that anybody knew, could known what you said. And th- th- there has to be a God. I said, there is a God, and he got saved that night. He gave his heart to Jesus and he repented of his atheism. He was in the church for, for years. I mean, if I was to say his name, some of you would know who it is. He's in the church for years, and he's not been in the church now for probably six years, seven years. And is back to atheism. I watched the Lord heal him, touch him. But he got tied, he got offended. Some things didn't happen the way that he thought that the Lord said it should happen. In other words, he had an idea of what God was gonna do and then God didn't do that. And so then he's like, well, then you can't be God. No, no, let's talk about who you think God is. You think God is, you You think you're God, actually. That's, that's the problem. We've tried to have those discussions and you know what? I'm, Holy Spirit's brought him to mind today, right now. It's not in the first service. Now, I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna reach out to him. I'm gonna reach out to him again. It's filled so argumentative. And if you would ask him right now, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? And he would say, no. So you tell me you think he's going to heaven still. He said, well, you don't know what happens in the end. No, I certainly don't. But we have the word of God and we have to judge our own lives. And we can know them by their fruit. And I pray that he comes back to Christ. It's so sad to see so many people turn away from God and go back into the world. There ain't nothing there. I don't need another go around. I hope you don't. I, I'm settled. His word is forever settled in heaven. I've settled it. He loves me. I'm, I'm on. He's never leaving never leave me, never forsake me. He's, he's an ever-present help in time of trouble comforters, healers, providers, deliverers, my friend. Oh, just a closer walk with thee. Paul was motivated by the awareness of God's judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.11, I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians 5.11, his awareness of God's judgment. He says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I mean, Paul, knowing the terror. What is that? What is the terror of the Lord? Come I mean, there's like, there's this pendulum where there's in Christianity where at times it's swung so far over with the hell judgment and God's gonna bash you and all of that I mean you know God's in a good mood I've seen it we've seen it swing the other way where God is God is love but they don't really define what that is and it's all good he loves you it's warm it's fuzzy you just serve him with listen that that plumb line needs to drop center there really is a place called hell there really is and yeah he's in a good mood yeah he loves you yeah he's got a plan for you come on he knows the plans he has for you declares the Lord plans to give you a hope and a future. You come to Him not to harm you. Yes, 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 yes. God's love, and God, God is not God is not like your friend. I mean, you're a friend of God, but understand He's God, and He must, by the very definition of His character, deal with sin, which He did through Jesus. But if sin is not under the blood, then He holds you accountable, and He'll have to. Be, he's, I mean. They say there's no tears in heaven, but I I think maybe there is. I mean, I know it says they're in, so they're, of course there isn't. I mean, what a broken heart the Lord must have. As he turns away, somebody goes off to, because they weren't told about, they weren't told about hell. Paul would get, he got stoned, by a bunch of people that hated him rocks bouncing off his head pile of stones on him and the, the, the believers the disciples got around him and they prayed he got up out of the pile of rocks and goes to the next city to preach the same message why would he do that because he knew about the terror of the Lord but it's not just that. It's, it, it, it's really two things. The terror of the Lord, but it's 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 the love of God too. Second Corinthians 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. See, there has, to be, there has to be judgment if there's real love. There has to be justice. For real love, there has to be justice. Real love doesn't not have justice. It is a part of. Come on, love will protect your family, right? Right? Yeah, that's the way it is with the Lord. It wasn't hell that motivated me to come to Christ. I'll just tell you right now. I didn't really believe in it. It wasn't preached all that much. It was the love of God that overwhelmed me. He hunted me down, circumstances, situations, His love, His presence over and over and over. And it was people filled with the love of God that would wrap their arms around me tell me it's going to be alright. Tell me that I can make it. Tell me I, you can do it. You can make it. You can do it. God's hands on you. Oh, goodness and mercy going to follow you all the days. You Don't worry. This too shall pass. You're going to make it over. You're going to make it through. God's going to do it. God's going to do it over and over and over God's love. Encountering His love in creation. Encountering His love through people. Encountering His love through the Word. Encountering His love in the cloud of the presence of the Lord that would come upon me in my home. Oh, and He would just touch me and comfort me in those early days. I would weep and He would hold me like a father. The Lord loves you. He cares for you. He doesn't want you to be blotted out. But you must do your part. God can't do your part. Angels can't even preach the gospel. Only mankind can. oh thank you Jesus Paul was motivated by God's love he was motivated by the terror of the Lord which is also a sign of his love but we need to be motivated by God's love can you say amen we're going to receive communion ushers would you help us out my 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 what a powerful word what a powerful word Ushers, would you come, please, and just begin to serve? We're going to receive communion uh, as, they're, as they're serving, and service will be over in the next five minutes. We're going to receive communion as we do on the first Sunday of every month. It's an open communion. What does that mean? That means that anybody can take communion, but, but you need to understand something from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'll read that to you. Actually, ushers, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just wait right up front. Y'all look so handsome. Just turn and face to people this way. Yep. Yeah, a little different. Can you like play All the Blood of Jesus or something, but don't sing it yet? Okay. So what we have here is uh, matzah, matzah bread, all right? It's unleavened bread. Crackers, for lack of a better term, but it is matzah. And, uh, and then we have Welch's grape juice. And the reason we do that is to not exclude former alcoholics, okay? So that, that's that's the, we, that's the way we do that. Uh, in 1 in Corinthians... See, because what I'm about to teach you, if we'd all been halfway down already serving, and uh, I didn't want you to get mad at me that I didn't teach you before you took communion, because you might not want to take it after I read this to you. 1 Corinthians 11, and it's a very godly thing to not take communion. In fact, it's downright smart if the conditions apply. Y'all there? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way or in likewise manner. He took, he, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is my cup of My new cup co- of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever, everybody say whoever, whoever. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep, which for the New Testament to say to fall asleep is dead. They're dead. So let's just break this down, and then we'll have all you guys serve this meal that heals and kills. No, we just think it's like a little cracker, a little juice, just pound it, do a little shot, and you know. No, no, you don't want to get all weird about it, but th- this is this is these are just elements that represent, but they're powerful symbols, and they do have powerful meaning. We don't believe in transubstantiation, where this has now become the the, the body of Jesus. That's that's another. It's not biblical. Otherwise, you'd be crucifying Jesus every Sunday or every time you took communion. It's not so. But they're powerful symbols. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, that when you take communion, do it in a worthy manner. What does that mean? That means you're examining your life. How am I doing? Lord, do I have sin? And he's like, yes, you do. You were a real jerk to your family this week. Oh, oh God, forgive me. You ask the Lord to reveal to you where you've got sin. And then you ask Him to forgive you. And you ask Him to wash you. And you ask Him to cleanse you. Now, if you know you're going to go out and do the same thing that he delivered you from, and you're like, you've already got your plan in your pocket. You've already got your dope in the car. You, already, you just happen to be here because somebody invited you, and you know you wanted the coffee or something, and you happen to hear a hell message. But you're going to go and do whatever you want. Don't take communion. Just don't do it. I would, I would stronger, I would, in a stronger way, I would say, how about repent of that? flush your stuff down the toilet and get right with God today and receive communion and ask him to change you, if you I, I, I've not taken communion when, when I've had aught with others you're having a fight with somebody or you have to sort it out and you haven't been able to get a hold of them pretty much no excuse now that we have cell phones and text and all the stuff that we have but you know it's a good thing to call somebody some of you, some of you need to repent right now over, over someone that you hurt Don't don't just, don't just take communion or you can repent, take communion, and you call them the second you get out of here. But if you know you're gonna go and live the same nonsense you've been living, don't eat and drink judgment on yourself. Very dangerous thing to do. Very, very dangerous. Everybody say, very dangerous. Okay, you ready? Okay, ushers, go ahead. And, and, and as we take this together in a moment, you can receive healing, miracles can release right now. We're proclaiming Jesus' death and resurrection as we re- take communion here in a moment, all together. Once everybody's served, would y'all stand with us as, as we're being served, Pastor Alex? Would you lead us? All oh, the blood, all oh, the blood, all oh, the blood, the blood, the blood. You know, uh, just never gets old for me. My name's in the book. I'd ask you to clap. That would be really messy on our new carpet and all that. But come on, somebody say hallelujah. Oh, all that he's done. All that he's have to do is just keep ourselves continuing, abiding. That's our job. To keep your heart right. Encourage one another daily. I hope you've been encouraged today. Don't let sin's deceitfulness cause you to turn. Get your name blotted out of the book. And if you've never received Jesus, well for the love of God I pray you do it right now. Don't you leave this place in the condition that you came in. Because there really is a hell to be shunned and the heaven to be gained you've been educated now just a little bit you can go deeper and deeper and study it but you know the truth now you'll be held accountable for it you're like thanks yeah praise the Lord come on God has a wonderful life for you don't want you walking around in deception some false sloppy grace message not not good and there are many that, that believe that once you're saved you're always saved and you're certainly entitled to believe that but I'm just telling you I don't believe that I just don't can we still come to church here please do bring as many people as you want come on let's just come on let's just let's pitch our tent on you start destroying the Godhead then we have a major problem but I'm just telling you I believe more of an Armenian view than a Calvinist view it's just part of our fundamentals of faith that we believe here you ought to know what you believe if you don't know what you believe then you're going to settle for a lie better know the truth got to know the truth amen Father, thank you. Come on, let's repent. Lord, forgive us for our wrong thoughts, attitudes, and motives. God, we're asking that you would cleanse us now by your blood. You made a way. You made a way for us to enter into glory. Oh, not by the blood of bulls or goats. Not by our own effort. No, no. None of us. None of us are righteous. No, not one. The soul that sinneth shall die. That's us. But Lord, you made a way. And we celebrate, we remember what you have done. Your death, your resurrection. Purchased for us redemption. You became a propitiation for our sin. The atonement brings healing, salvation, deliverance, and provision. And we declare it today. Now release your healing power as you wash us and cleanse us. As we eat together, we proclaim. Even as the first century church would say, Maranatha, which means even so, come the Lord Jesus. We're proclaiming He's coming back for His church. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Washed all my sins away. Washed all my sins away. tears. sing it one more time cappella but let me just say the crushing of the cup came about about nine years ago i know i say it just about every month but i've had people like am i supposed to crush my cup is that in the bible do we crush the cup you don't have to crush the cup okay but it's it's it, it started about nine years ago where we crushed the cup because the curse was broken and so we just kind of crushed the cup as part of a message and sort of stuck around So I purposely don't crush my cup. So, where all you non crush cuppers can feel all right about it. All right? Come on, sing it one more time. Washed all my sins away. Washed all my sins away. Just your voices. And, sir, may I, though vile as he. Washed all my sins away. Come on, sing with us. Just your voices. Washed all my sins away. Washed all my sins away. Now you can put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, shout to God. You've been delivered. Hey, your name's in the book. Come on, your name's in the book. Somebody say, praise God. Now, Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us, oh God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen.